Side True Crime. I'm your host, Breaker. If you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend today. Before we start, I have a couple of case updates for you. First, a major case update on a case for you. Uh, Michael Turney has been arrested and charged in, a, in the murder of his daughter, Alyssa Turney. This case happened in 2001, and I covered it on an episode on July 2nd so if you want to listen to that episode it's just a couple of episodes before this one make sure you're subscribed I'll bring more updates as they come out about this case next on to the Vanessa Gullion case I know I slaughtered that last name sorry about that According to the a police a press release by the United States Army, General John Murray, head of the Army's Futures Command, will conduct the investigation and is expected to arrive at Fort Hood in about three weeks. The base comma base's commanding officer was removed by order of General Michael X. Garrett, commanding general of the United States Army Forces Command and is directing that Major General John B. Richardson IV to become acting commander of the base. This press release has also stated that there, were multiple there are also multiple investigations into the chain of command of the base. Again, make sure that you're subscribed. I'll make sure that I'll keep you updated as more news comes out about this and all cases covered on this podcast. While this is going on to the right direction, I think more still can be done. About sexual harassment happening in the armed forces and preventing these things from happening again. Anyhow, today we'll be hopping into the DeLorean and going back to the early 20th century. This episode is going to be rather heinous and involves cannibalism and with children. If this isn't for you, I suggest that you skip this episode. With that said, on with the show. On 11 July 1924, Albert found eight-year-old Beatrice Keel playing alone on her parents' Staten Island farm in New York. He offered her money to help him look for Ruharbarb, I think that's pronounced. That's how it's pronounced. In the neighboring farm in New York, he offered her money to come help him look for Ruharbarb in the neighboring fields. Okay, she was about to leave the farm when her mother chased fish away. Fish left, but returned later 
to the Kiel's barn where he tried to sleep for the night for de being discovered by Hans Kiel and told to leave. Wow, talk about the perpetrator always returning to the scene of the crime. But Albert may have started early, even earlier than that. He may have committed what may have been his first attack on a child named Thomas Bedden Wilmington in Delaware in 1910. He stabbed a mentally retarded boy around 1919 in Georgetown, Washington, D.C. Consistently, many of his intended victims would either be mentally retarded or African-American because he believed in the, these would not be missed. Smart one, this one here. Albert Fish was born as Hamilton Fish in Washington, D.C. to Randall Fish. He, he said he had been named Hamilton Fish after Hamilton Fish, a distant relative. His father was 43 years old than, older than his mother. He, he was the youngest child and he had three living siblings, Walter, Annie, and Edwin. He wished to be called Albert after a dead sibling to escape the nickname Ham and Eggs that he was given, in a, given at an orphanage in which he had spent many of his early years. Ham and eggs, huh? <laughs> Making me hungry. Many many neighbors of his members of his family had mental illness and one suffered from religious mania. His father was a riverboat captain, but by 1870, he was a fertilizer manufacturer. The elder fish died of a heart attack at the 6th Street, 6th Street Station of the Pennsylvania Railroad in 1875 in Washington, D.C. Fish's mother put him into an orphanage. He was frequently whipped and beaten there and eventually discovered that he enjoyed physical pain. The beatings would often give him erections, which the other orphans teased him about. By 1879, his mother got a government job and, he, and was able to look after him. However, his various experiences before this had affected him. He started a homosexual relationship in 1882 at the age of 12 with a telegraph boy. The youth also introduced Fish to such practices as drinking Yuan and chorophagia. Fish began visiting public baths where he could watch boys undress and spent a great portion of his weekend visit weekends on these visits. By 1890, Fish had arrived in New York City 
where he became a male prostitute, or excuse me, sex worker. He also said he began raping young boys, a, a crime he kept committing even after his mother arranged a marriage. In 1898, he married a woman nine years his junior. They had six children, Albert, Anna, Gertrude, Eugene, John, and Henry Fish. He was arrested for embezzlement and was sentenced to incarceration in Sing Sing in 1903. He regularly, regularly had sex with men in prison. Wow. Okay. Throughout 1898, he worked as a house painter and he said he continued molesting children, mostly boys under six. He later recounted an incident in which a male lover took him to a wax works museum where Albert was fascinated by a bisection of a penis. Soon after, he developed a morbid interest in castration. During a relationship with a mentally retarded man, Fish attempted to castrate him after tying him up. The man became frightened and fled. Fish began intensifying his visits to brothels where he would be whipped and beaten more often. In 1917, his wife left him for John Strobe, a handyman who boarded with the Fish family. Following this rejection, Fish began to hear voices. For example, he once wrapped himself up in a carpet, explaining that he was following the, the instructions of John the Apostle. Oh boy. Let's take a short break here, shall we? And we're back. On 25 May 1928, Edward Budd put an ad in the Sunday edition of the Ed New York World that read, Young Man Wishes Position in Country. Edward Budd 406 West 15th Street On May 28, 1928, Albert, then 58 years old, visited the Budd family in Manhattan, New York City, under the pre pretense of hiring Edward. He introduced himself as Frank Howard, a farmer from Farmingdale, New York. When he arrived, Fish met Bud's younger sister, 10-year-old Grace. Fish promised to hire Bud and said he would send it for him in a few days. On his second visit, he ag agreed to hire Bud, then convinced the parents, Delia Flanagan and Albert Bud, to let Grace accompany him to a birthday party that evening at his sister's home. Albert Sr. was a porter for the 
equitable life insurance company. Grace had a sister, Beatrice, and two other brothers, Albert and George, but Bud. Fish left with Grace that day, but never came back. The police arrested Charles Edward Pope on 5th, 5 September 1930 as a suspect of the kidnapping. A 66-year-old apartment house superintendent, he was accused, and he was accused by his estranged wife. He spent 108 days in jail. Between his arrest and trial on 22 December 1930. Seven years later, in November 1934, an anonymous letter was sent to the girl's parents, which led to police to Albert Fish. The letter is quoted here with all of Fish's misspellings and grammatical errors. Dear Mrs. Budd, In 1894, a friend of mine shipped a, as a deckhand on the steamer Tacoma, Captain John Davis. They sailed from San Francisco to Hong Kong, for Hong Kong, China. On arriving there, he and two others went ashore and got drunk. When they returned, the boat was gone. At the time, there was famine in China. Meat of any kind was one to three dollars per pound. So great was the suffering among the very poor that all children under 12 were sold for food in order to keep others from starving. A boy or girl under 14 was not safe in the street. You could go in any shop and ask for steak or ch for steak, chops, or stew meat. Part of the naked body of a boy or girl would be brought out and just what you wanted to cut from it. A boy or girl's behind, which is the sweetest part of the body, and sold as veal cutlet and brought the high highest price. John said there was there so long he acquired a taste for human flesh. On his return to New York, he stole two boys, one seven and one eleven. He took them to his home, stripped them naked, and tied them in a closet, then burned everything they had on. Several times every day and night, he spanked them, tortured them to make their meat good and tender. First he killed the 11 year old boy because he had the fattest ass and of course the most meat on it. Every part of his body was cooked and eaten except for the head, bones and guts. He was roasted in the oven, 
all of his ass boiled broiled fried and stewed the little boy was next went the same way at the time i was living at 409 east 100th street near the right side he told me how often so often excuse me how good human flesh was i made up my mind to taste it wow his uh, grammar wasn't very good on sunday june the third nineteen twenty eight i called on you at four o six west fifteenth street and brought you pot cheese strawberries we had lunch grace sat in my lap and kissed me i made up my mind to eat her on the pretext of taking her to a party you said yes she could go i took her to an empty house in westchester i had already picked out when we got there i told her to remain outside she picked wildflowers i went upstairs and stripped all my clothes off i knew if i did not i would get blood on them when all was ready i went to the window and called for her i hid in a closet closet until she was in the room when she saw me all naked she began to cry and tried to run down the stairs I grabbed her and she said she would tell her mama. First, I stripped her naked. How she did kick, bite, and scratch. I choked her to death and cut her in small pieces so I could take my meat to my rooms, cook, and eat it. How sweet and tender, tender her little ass was roasted in the oven took me nine days to eat her entire body i did not fuck her though i could have and had i wished she died a virgin mrs bud was illiterate and could not read the letter herself so she had her son read it instead fish later admitted to his attorney that he and he did indeed rape grace fish was a compulsive liar however so this may be untrue he had told the police when asked never even entered his head to rape the girl in other words who knows if he raped her or not although i have to admit he is one sick puppy anyhow The letter was delivered in, a, in an envelope that had a, a small hexagonal uh, emblem with the letters NYPCBA standing for New York Private Chauffeurs Benevolent Association. A janitor, at the co a janitor at the company told the police that he had taken some of the stationery home but left it at his zooming house at 200 East 52nd Street when he had moved out. The landlady of the rooming house said that Fish had checked out 
of that room a few days earlier. She had said that Albert's son had sent him some money and he had asked her to hold his next check for him. William F. F. King, the lead investigator, waited outside the room until Albert returned. He agreed to go to headquarters for questioning, but at the, at the street door, lunged at King with a razor in each hand. King disarmed Albert and took him to police headquarters. Albert made no attempt to deny the Grace Budd murder, saying that he had meant to go to the house to kill Edward Budd, Grace's brother, instead. After Albert was arrested and in police custody, he had confessed to other heinous crimes. I'll be covering them now. A child named Billy Gaffney was playing in the hallway outside of his family's apartment in Brooklyn with his friend B Billy Beaton on February 11, 1927, when both of the boys disappeared, but the friend was found on the roof of the apartment house. When asked what happened to Gaffney, Beaton said, the boogie the boogie took him initially peter oh i'm going to slaughter his last name kuzinoski kuzinoski was a suspect in the murder of billy gaffney then joseph mehan a motorman on a Brooklyn trolley saw a picture of Albert in a newspaper and identified him as the old man he saw on February 11, 1927, who was trying to quiet a little boy sitting with him on the trolley. The boy wasn't wearing a jacket and was crying for his mother and was dragged by the man on and off the trolley. The police matched the description of the child to Billy Gaffney. Gaffney's body was never recovered. Billy's mother visited Fish and Sing Sing to try to get more details of her son's death. Fish confessed the following. Uh, side note, the following is uh, quite graphic and involves Albert's own words, so if the cannibalism bothers you, I'd skip forward about two minutes. If not, uh, listen on. I brought him to the River Riker app, the Riker Avenue dumps. There's a house that stands alone, not far from where I took him. I, I took the boy there stripped him naked and tied his hands and feet and gagged him with a piece of dirty rag I picked out of the dump. Then I burned his clothes, threw his shoes in the dump. Then I walked back and took the trolley to 59th Street at 2 a.m. and walked from, from their home. Next day about 2 p.m. I took tools 
a good heavy cattle nine tails homemade short handle cut one of my belts in half so these halves in six strips about eight inches long i whipped his bare behind until the blood ran from his legs i cut off his ears nose and slit his mouth from ear to ear gouged out his eyes he was dead then i stuck his the knife in his belly and held my mouth to his body and drank his blood i picked up four old potato sacks and gathered a pile of stones then i cut him up i had a grip with me i put his nose ears and a few slices of belly in the grip then i cut to cut him through the middle of his body just below the belly button then through his legs about two inches below his behind then i put this in my grip with a lot of paper then i cut off the head feet arms hands and legs below the knee this i put in sacks weighed with stones tied the ends and threw them into the pools of slimy water you will see along the road going to north beach i came home with my meat i had the front of his body i liked best his monkey and peewees and a nice little fat behind to roast in the oven in the oven and eat i made a stew out of his ears nose and pieces of his face and belly i put onions carrots turnips turnips celery salt and pepper it was good then i split the cheeks of his behind open cut off his monkey and peewees and washed them first i put strips of bacon on each cheek of his behind and put them in the oven then i picked four onions when the meat had roasted about a quarter of an hour i poured about a pint of water over it for gravy and put in the onions at frequent intervals i basted his behind with a wooden spoon so the meat would be nice and juicy in about two hours it was nice and brown cooked through i never ate any roast turkey that tasted half as good as his sweet fat little behind did i ate every little bit of the meat in about four days his little monkey was a sweet as a nut but his peewees could not i could not chew i threw them in the toilet okay i'm done with uh, his explanation here for those who decided to uh skip He was very explanative. Anyhow, Albert was indicted and tried for the premeditated murder of Grace Budd. The trials began on Monday, 11 March 1935 in White Plains, New York with Frederick 
P. Close as judge and Chief Assistant District Attorney Albert F. Gallagher as the prosecuting attorney. James Dempsey was Fish's defense attorney. The trial lasted for 10 days. He pled insanity and claimed to have heard voices from God telling him to kill children. Several psychiatrists testified about Albert's sexual fetishes, including coropophilia, urophagia, pedophilia, and masochism, but there was disagreement whether or not these activities meant he was insane. The defense, the defense's chief expert witness was Frederick Wertham, a psychiatrist with a focus on ch child development who conducted psychiatric, psychiatric examinations for the New York criminal courts. Wertham stated that Fish was insane. Another defense witness was Mary Nicholas, Fish's 17-year-old stepdaughter. She described her how Albert taught her and her brothers a game invo involving overtones of masochism and child molestation. The jury found them to be sane and guilty, and the judge ordered the death sentence. After being sentenced, Albert also, be, also confessed to the murder of eight-year-old Francis X. McDonnell, killed on Staten Island. Francis was playing on the porch of his home near Port Richmond, Staten Island, in 15 July, 1924. Francis's mother saw an old man walk by clenching and unclenching his fists. He walked past without saying anything. Later that day, the old man was seen again, but this time he was watching Francis and his friends play. Francis's body was found in the woods near where a neighbor had seen Francis and the old man going earlier that afternoon. He had been assaulted and strangled with his suspenders. Fish arrived in March 1935 and was executed on 16 January 1936 in the electric chair at Sing Sing. He entered the chamber at 11.06 p.m. and was pronounced dead three minutes later. He was buried in the Sing Sing Prison Cemetery. He was recorded to have said the electrocution would be, quote, the supreme thrill of my life, unquote. Just before the switch was flipped, he stated, quote, I don't even know why I am here, unquote. Legend has it that his execution took longer due to the numerous needles inserted in, into his privates.
which disrupted the flow of electricity. There are also other victims that Albert may have had. Albert denied uh, any other murders, but he was suspect in three others. Detective William King believed that he ha that Fish had may have been the Brooklyn vampire, a, a rapist and murderer, mainly that mainly preyed on children. They were. Yeta Abro Abramwitz, age 12, in the Bronx. She was strangled and beaten on the, on the roof of a five-story apartment house at 1013 Simpson Street. She died in a hospital soon after she was found. The murderer escaped but 20 detectives and many uniformed policemen were hunting for a, quote, tall young man, unquote, who was said to have tried to lure several young girls of the neighborhood into dark hallways and alleys on 14 May, 1927. Then there was Mary Ellen O'Connor, age 16, in Far Walk Rockaway in Queens on 15 February 1932. Her mutilated body was found in the woods close to a house that Fish had been painting. Then there was Benjamin Collins, 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 excuse me, age 17 in 1932. This is probably the most disgusting perpetrator we've ever had the dishonor to cover on this show. Unfortunately, I don't think he's the worst. The worst out there. I decided to cover him on the show because by learning the past from the past, we can prevent this from happening in the future. Big shout out to Murderpedia. I got a lot of the material from this from this for this episode from that uh, from them. Before we end this episode, I wrote an essay in a book called Pandemic Perceptions. I wrote under a pen name. So if you buy the book, the ebook that's available, uh, a hard copy book will be coming out soon if you want to wait for that. I wrote under a pen name. When you find my essay, you'll know it's me. It's only in Kindle format um, on Amazon. So you just search for pandemic perceptions. It's 99 cents right now and all the proceeds go to a charitable foundation. So I don't see a penny. None of the authors do. 
it goes to a charity that helps with uh, COVID recovery. With that said, this brings this episode to a close. Thank you for listening and subscribing to my podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe and tell a friend today. And please rate and review this podcast if you like it. We are on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any comments or suggestions for cases, feel free to email info at darkersidepodcast.com. I'm on Twitter as DarkerSidePod and on my official home on the internet, clouthub.com as Breaker. Look for the verified account. Mahalo, and see you next time on The Darker Side.